Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right. So, hey, hey, welcome back to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree Mitchell. I'm the host of the show. I'm also the founder of Brown Girl Self-Care. Brown Girl Self-Care is a platform for Black women who are looking to get to where the healing, joy, abundance, like all the juicy parts of life resides. I'm talking with Dr. Joy today. I know you know who she is. Who does not know Dr. Joy? I want to go ahead and just give you your flowers now, Dr. Joy. Um, You are a psychologist, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, a speaker. You are, of course, the founder of Therapy for Black Girls. You have a huge podcast that is just like changing and healing souls. Um, So like I said, I just want to give you your flowers now because I'm just really excited for you to be here. Well, thank you so much, Bri. I appreciate you. Yeah, so I know that I kind of gave it away and we're going to be talking about your book, um, which I'm going to hold it up in case again you are watching and it is called sisterhood heals um, but before we dive in i have all the notes and i know we don't have a ton of time um did you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit more or is there something i didn't quite say before we get started no i think you covered it all oh, okay okay perfect so um dr joy first of all i want to say that your book could not have come at a better time. Uh, I am in my late 40s and uh, really knocking on 50 very soon. And I always assumed that by now I would have like the relationship situations like on lock, like dialed in. But I'm realizing through my own like healing practices and of course reading your book and just doing different things like that, like I am just working on relationships is just something that is not my strong point. It never was. Uh, it's something that I'm really trying my best to foster better relationships with other black women. Um, but like I said, your book couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, just to kind of like jump right in, I would love to know what was going on for you when you decided like, I'm going to write this book because it needs to be released. 
Mm, well, I'm so glad to hear that it is helpful and impactful to you right now, Bree. Yes. That, that is incredibly affirming. Um, you know, so Sisterhood Heals actually was supposed to be an in-person experience before the pandemic. Oh. Um, so I was planning, the community has been asking for us to do something in person. They really want to meet the people who listen to the podcast, who they, you know, connect with in the, com the comment section. And we were planning to do this in-person experience. And then it was supposed to be in March of 2020. So we all know what March of 2020 <laughs> wow. ended up looking like right um and so in conversations with my literary agent she she asked me like well what kinds of things were you planning to talk about that weekend what were you hoping for people to leave away with and that kind of became the outline for the book um you know and so it just kind of happens but I don't think there are any coincidences really to, to the way things happen that it does feel very timely and very necessary for us to be having conversations about sisterhood and connection and how do we really thrive in community? Because at this stage in the pandemic, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out like, how do I rebuild my life? And like, what does community and connection even look like? And so I really feel like the book is, is very timely and something that can help a lot of people in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that your book, like when I was receiving the information in regards to just like the book, um, it says Sisterhood Heals is an ode to sacredness and a celebration of the magic of Black sisterhood. Um, you said that now more than ever, we need space to be ourselves and that there is liberation in having access to these spaces. Um, I a kajillion percent <laughs> agree with that. Um, and honestly, for me, especially now thinking about what you just said, like it's amazing how we do need these kind of spaces. We do need sisterhood. It's about community, it's about connection and it is liberating, but it's like, why is it so hard? Like, why is it so hard <laughs> to, yeah. to have sisterhood? Yeah, I mean, well, relationships aren't always easy, right? Cause I think yeah. we are human, right? So all the great things about being human but also the more prickly parts, I think of, of our humanity sometimes make it really difficult to establish and thrive in relationships with one another. Um, And so I think just like with any other relationship it often takes work. And I think in a lot of ways as a society we have put so much stock in romantic relationships and like trying to figure that out that we really have not done justice to these other incredibly important relationships in our lives. And so my hope is that Sisterhood Heals gives us the space and language to really dive into these other relationships that are really, really important. Yeah, for sure. And what I love about your book, uh, there's a lot of things I love about your book, but one thing that really, really, really stands out amongst all the other good stuff is that uh, it's not, it's not like just quote unquote a book. When I was reading it as silly as it may sound i was like this is like a sisterhood bible that's how i felt like i just felt like it was like a bible like if there was ever a bible <laughs> on sisterhood like i would definitely put this in that realm uh and i love that you had not only like not only were you like dropping gems and you do it in such a way where because i've read so many books and some of them they just feel really hard to understand there's a lot of just the language that's used can be a little complex and for the way that my brain processes things i'll just like check out as much as i want to read it i just check out um, i didn't have that with your book it was just it was an easy read but it was so it was just jam-packed with so much good stuff and on top of that you had like exercises or reflections or prompts so that's why i said like your book is like a it's like a bible did you feel like that when you're writing the book 
So that feels like a huge compliment, Brie. And I'm finding myself reacting to like, that feels like a big compliment, but I will, I will accept that if that is how it feels to you. Um, But you know, it's funny because in writing the book, I really wanted it to be one of those books. Like, I don't know if you had this experience, but like, I would see these books on my mom's shelves that felt like, oh, I can't wait till I read when I get older and I can like understand like what is in this book and what does this mean? I really wanted Sisterhood Heals to feel that way. And so you comparing it to a Bible kind of lets me know that I may be on the right track with it um, in that it is something that I think people can come back to over and over again, right? So to your point, there are lots of, um, you know, kind of theory kinds of pieces, but stripped of the jargon, right? Because it's not a book necessarily just for clinicians. I wanted it to be a book for everybody to be able to read to figure out what's going on in my relationships and how can I do things better. And so it is a place where you can get some of that, but it is also a place where you can get some scripts for how to have certain kinds of conversations in your sister circles. Um, it is a place where there are questions for reflection at the end of each chapter. I do want you to kind of sit with the material, right? Like I don't want it to be something that feels like a passive process. I really wanted it to be something where you read the material and then you take some time to think about what you've read and then take action. So what are you saying to your girls in your group chat or, you know, what kinds of things are you gonna do after you read, you know, chapter six or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And going back to what you said, or kind of piggybacking off of what you said, um, I was thinking about, I was really thinking about it from the perspective of obviously Black women, but of a certain age. Like, I know that you had um, like little bite sized stories from people that you were in connection and community with that um, age ranges from like, I don't know, I think the youngest person I saw might have been like 26, maybe, and then up to like maybe. I don't know if it was like 47 or 50 or something like like I, I saw this window, but you saying this, my daughter is how old is she? I don't even know. She's she's 20, I think. <laughs> Senior moment. I think she's 20. <laughs> and I'm thinking like this would be a book even for a 20-year-old, even for a, a 15, like a teenager, like this book I feel like can touch across many um generations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, as you grow in your friendships, then there are likely different things that you get out of the book. Right. So, you know, a 15 or a 20 year old might not have had a friendship breakup yet. But when later in life, if that happens, then it is something that they could go back to to get to get resources to figure out how to support themselves or how to have difficult conversations with their friends. So I do agree with you that it is something that I think lots of different women could get get a lot of resources from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this book did kind of, I don't want to say punch because that's such a violent word. I'm trying to not, I always say like gut punch, but I'm trying to think of something else I can say because to me that feels like violence and it's not violence, but it, 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 how about I felt it in my spirit in such a way and some of the stuff that you were talking about and I'm just like, oof, <laughs> I gotta <laughs> talk to her about this. And I know we don't have a ton of time, so I'm going to do my best to be as succinct as possible, but just right off the strength in the beginning of the book you talk about um what was it about how you were just kind of like hanging out on the porch and you're you mm. kind of ear hustling and I'm like yes I used to do that too because grown folk conversation was just like so juicy so like, juicy it was like who are they talking about girl what um but then also on top of that as you were listening to these adult conversations and forming whatever opinions you were forming, then you also, I think, 
if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, you mentioned something about how, I don't know if it was uh, your, your parent, your mom, or if it was in an example story, but someone's mom was kind of like saying, don't you trust those girls? Don't you be like those girls? I had that experience too. Mm-hmm. Was that you or was that an example, someone else's story? Yeah, so in the example, I talked about um, a, a woman who talked about her mom telling her, you can't trust other women, like don't give them too much information. But then I talked about my own experience with my yeah. mom talking about girls being fast. Yes. And how that was difficult for me in terms of making friendships of my own. Yeah, and I'm just trying to understand if there is any understanding, like as I'm making these connections with just like my own personal life, like how would one expect to be able to I guess, fully adult and and come from a place of wholeness. But the messages you were receiving as your mind was being formed and your opinions were being formed, you were just receiving this very rigid black and white, kind of like judgy, hypercritical conversations or messaging. Like, how how do you go out and have healthy relationships if your foundation was what it was? Yeah, I mean, well, that's why I started the book in that way, because I think that for a lot of us, we have had those experiences, right? Like you and I are not the only ones who have moms and aunties and grandmas who use that kind of language, right? Um, And I think it's important to think about like, in the time and place where they were existing, there may have been a reason and a purpose for that kind of language. Mm -hmm. But I think it is our job to really unpack, does that language still serve us now? And how helpful and healthy is it? Because I think the byproduct of people saying like, oh, watch out for those fast girls and, you know, you can't trust women is that it has caused it to be difficult for Black women to connect with one another and to have healthy relationships. And so I think when we think about, you know, why do you struggle in connecting with other Black women, a lot of it starts in childhood. A lot of us have those same kinds of messages around being careful of women or you can't trust women. And so when you think about the difficulties you may be experiencing, I think it is important to kind of go back and figure out where some of that came from. And I think for a lot of us, it was with mom and grandma. Yeah, that definitely landed with me. Like I said, in a, in a not in a gut punch, but like it, like it resonated with my spirit because like I said, at the beginning of the session or at the beginning of this call or podcast episode, it's like, I'm almost, I'm knocking on 50s door very, very soon. And I'm still trying to navigate how to even show up as myself, be vulnerable, show up authentically uh, and try, and, and trying to not only do that, which is, <laughs> whole nother conversation but then also trying to do that as i'm trying to build these relationships with other women when i was i guess socialized or conditioned to think that having relationships with people especially women is not is not okay it's not it's not gonna work out for you it's not for you because mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, and it's unfortunate that we had that that you know guidance, but I think we can take it upon ourselves to do something different now that we know that it exists. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, Speaking of, I think I just said vulnerability, or if I didn't, I was thinking that. But you have a quote that really landed for me, and it was um, I'm going to read it here. It says, "Being vulnerable is the process of sharing ourselves and the truths about who we are." and our experiences, even if we're not sure they will be accepted. Um, many of the women that I speak to, um, like in my intimate circles um, and just different things like that, we we find, I'm speaking generally, that vulnerability is like hard. It is so hard to be vulnerable sometimes. And we want to be softer. At least that's 
that's definitely one of the things that I am doing my best to honor is my softness because I am extremely rough around <laughs> around the edges, very rough, very, very rough around the edges. And um, we want to show up and be ourselves, but there are still like these barriers of protection in place because we've been so wounded, right? And I'm just wondering, I know that you talk about this in the book, but for someone that hasn't had a chance to pick up their copy, which they should get it like immediately after you listen to this episode, um, what could be like a first step if that's you? And just to kind of take it a step further with this whole vulner vulnerability piece, um, I'm also someone that like self-isolates. I isolate a lot. It is very hard for me to make a connection and people are very surprised, but I'm very private, very isolated. Could you yeah. speak to that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, this is kind of what the entire book is, is the importance of having community to heal these kinds of wounds, right? Mm. Because something like vulnerability is really hard to work through, like as a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. Like you can't self-talk your way through vulnerability. Like you only really do that in connection with other people. And so it really is a process of you kind of putting yourself out there, maybe in small ways at first, right? Like you don't necessarily need to lead with the most harmful or most impactful thing that has happened to you. But what kinds of small things can you share with somebody and then see if they're able to hold space for that um, and I think that that is what often happens in therapy groups in other kinds of groups that we find ourselves in is that when we are able to say the thing that has been so shameful to us that we have really just kind of been burdened by we realize that we are not alone with any single thought or experience we have ever had there's always somebody who may not know exactly what you're talking about right like the content may not be the same but we can connect on the feeling so I understand what sadness is I understand what despair is and so when you're able to say that thing in a group that is able to hold you then that shame really falls away and so really it is a process of continuing to put yourself out there and allowing your community to show up for you but understanding that people won't be perfect right because again we're not robots but people are doing their best and so if you can find safe spaces like we often find in our sister circles then you're able to practice that vulnerability kind of over and over yeah that is profound there's a there's so many like juicy nuggets in this book y'all I know I keep saying that but you have to I don't think I've ever like stand for a book as much as as I am standing for <laughs> your book sisterhood heals because it is it it I don't know you just got to get the book trust me when I say this you just have to get the book I'm I, I can't like overemphasize that enough but yeah the vulnerability thing like that's super super hard especially when you're going out there as this like raw healing wound you know what I mean in certain areas um so maybe on the outside you're like 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 I said people might see me and think certain things about me not knowing my story not knowing why I act the way I do say the things I say um but then when they start to, when I start to open up, they're just like, what? Mm -hmm. Think about, you think those thoughts or you think this or that's how that is, or this is what happened to you. You know what I mean? So yeah, just having that. Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, sister circles are so important is because we often as black women are the only ones who really understand what it's like to walk through the world in the ways that we do, right? So the armor that we often have to put on in, in our corporations and our workspaces and all of those places, like we get it. We understand why there's often there this need to be hardness. And so when you're in your sister circle and somebody says, mm, 
you said you were okay, but how are you really doing? Right. And then the tears fall. And it really is just about creating space for people to be able to hold you and like gently taking off that armor in a space that can really hold you and comfort you and can validate your, your very lived experience. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Um, something that was interesting was, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but before I read your book, coincidentally, I because I'm going through something right now. Um, I'm in a relationship with someone in my family, and um, we are kind of like at odds right now, and we haven't spoken, and it's been a good minute. And as I was journaling just a few days ago, um, I said something along the lines of relationships require work so why are you surprised that our wait, what did i say something like building a relationship takes work so this person should not be surprised that we have a shaky foundation or something along those lines and you said something to that i wish i would have quoted it here or highlighted but i didn't but you said something along the lines of how relationships are labor they take time. They are labor. So because I used to be the friend who would kind of just like jump around, kind of like get my needs met, they'd be like, okay, deuces, I'm out. Oh, you got a problem? Okay, very surface level, surface level, surface level. Then, oh, but what about me? Now it's my turn. I need, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I used to, mm -hmm. that's how I used to be because that's what I thought it was. I thought that was what a relationship was. But can you speak to like, that labor and how it's like a necessity for building a relationship or a sister. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, you know, I don't think that we can expect like in life that everything will kind of be peaches and cream because we know that is not how life works. And so even in relationships, even though they may be overwhelmingly positive because you are both humans bringing in your own stuff, whatever baggage and stuff we bring into a relationship, there will be tension, there will be conflict, there will be all these things that pop up. And I don't think we often have the skills and the language to be able to navigate those situations. And so what often happens is that we will ghost people or we just kind of check out or, you know, we kind of pull back without ever actually addressing the elephant in the room. And what is actually better, what is healthier and, and what actually fosters more intimacy in our relationships is our ability to say the hard thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it may not always be eloquent. It may not, we may not always use the perfect words, but can you say to someone like, ouch, when you said that thing, it hurt. Or, you know, like, I'm feeling a little weird here, you know, like, can we talk about like where we are in this relationship? And I think we often avoid those conversations. And then we then we wonder why, like, we don't have friendships or where we don't actually have an active support circle. But I think a lot of it is because we are not actually addressing the elephants in the room. And so in the book, there are scripts that help you to kind of put those tough things on the table so that you can kind of start the conversation. Yeah, I love that so much. And speaking of something else that kind of or not kind of, it connects with that. You, you touched upon this too, like everything you touched upon, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but something else you touched upon is like attachment styles mm -hmm. because that is so important when it comes to building out your, your sisterhood or your sister circles. And when you talk about communication, someone that's avoidant is going to, for example, me, ghost, mm -hmm. like, like you literally just laid out my life and like, <laughs> 20 seconds, but or previous Brie, who's now healing and able to communicate more or better, but someone that's avoidant or versus someone that's secure in their attachment, they're going to have different ways of showing up 
in the group and communicating mm -hmm. or, or just being themselves. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I'm really excited to see the way that like the research around attachment styles and attachment um, configurations really is developing because for a long time, again, we only looked at attachment styles within the confines of romantic relationships. But when we think about the significant nature of our relationships with our girls and friendships, um, we do realize that attachment styles, of course, still pop up. And so when you think about attachment from an either insecure or secure standpoint, um, you know, a lot of it is based in our childhood. So if we had early caregivers who were attentive to our needs, so when we cried or needed something that like they were there, then we tend to develop a more secure attachment. But if people were dismissive of our needs or made us feel bad for even having needs, then yeah. we might develop a more insecure attachment. And so what that looks like in our friendships is that we are either somebody who is not worried about like being abandoned by friends because we are securely attached, or if we have a more insecure attachment, we might be worried about abandonment, or we might not even actually allow ourselves to get close to people because we feel like we don't even want to have the needs of needing other people. Um, you know, so it really does show up in our in our friendships just the way it does, or in similar ways, the in the ways it does in romantic relationships. Mm, that is deep. That is so deep. So y'all, if you have not kind of like done some work around like attachment styles and you're wondering like why am i showing up like this in this relationship what might that possibly mean um, i would definitely invite you to explore that a little bit either just with your therapist or even just being honest with your sister circle if you have one just kind of saying hey can we talk about this um because this is something that i'm trying to navigate or understand about myself better so i can show up uh from a more healed place so if you don't know like about attachment styles and things like that not only does she talk about it in the book but feel give yourself permission to explore that um that area okay um let's see so many questions dr joy i apologize <laughs> let's see here actually i have a community question from one of my patreon members her name is jessica and she raises a really a uh, good point that I'm hoping that you can kind of like speak to. And so her question or what she says is, how can I foster friendships when I'm so tired? I'm going through a divorce. I'm raising three littles. I'm struggling financially and also with my mental health. I love my friends, but keeping them aware of like how much I love them is hard right now. Um, anything that you can share with someone that might be kind of like resonating with that? Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of people find themselves in the space of like, I just don't know that I have the time or the bandwidth to do that. And I think that's honest. And I think we can say that, right? I think what often happens, though, is that we just kind of fall off or we expect that they know like what's happening. And so, you know, in the case of her or anybody else who may be in similar situations, I think, you know, don't discount like how good it is to even just send a meme in the group chat or is there something that her circle could actually be helpful for? You know, so has she been specific in asking them to show up for her in the ways that she might need them right now? Because to your point um, in our earlier conversation around like being really afraid to even ask for help or like isolating, which I think a lot of black women do. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths.
Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle. I smooth in a little of the Way Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code SELFCARE for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code SELFCARE. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black Girl Peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. You know, are you even being honest with your friend group about what's happening? Um, mm-hmm. And so if that's the case and you just feel like, you know what, I love y'all, but I just don't have time because I'm managing all these other fires in my life. I think it's okay to be honest about that and to just say, you know, hey, I love y'all, but I got a lot going on. And I really would hope that her sister circle would rally around her and, you know, maybe deliver groceries or can somebody go and pick up the kids so that she can have a weekend for herself, you know, but I think sometimes we are not honest with our circle about what's happening and then they can't show up for us in those ways. And so it really is a two-way street of us being honest with what's happening, but also our circle really kind of trying to be a little bit intuitive about what we might need because they know that we have trouble asking, you know, so it, it can be a little bit of a stretch, but I think that we owe that to the people we love when we can extend that. 
I love you saying that, like that honesty and, and just be, and just being able to just show up even in that way, um, just to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is my bandwidth right now. Personally speaking, as immature as this sounds, like I know that old Brie or old, the older version of myself, like I would be like big mad, like hella big mad that I'm showing up in this space, I'm showing up in this space and, you know, doing things for others and then no one is like checking on me. So I'm just like, instead of just saying, because obviously people have lives, whole lives, things going on. I wouldn't like put that, I wouldn't make that connection because again, insecure uh, attachment style here. So I would just be like this really angry energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why am I always doing this for other people? They, sh they should be a mind reader. You know what yep. I'm saying? It's like, yep. really? Really? <laughs> yes. And I'm really glad you said that, Brie, because I think a lot of us fall into that place, right? Because, you know, we have our own stuff around like people pleasing and like really wanting to support other people. And so we often find ourselves resentful that we are picking people up from the airport and like helping to babysit kids and dropping off groceries. And then in our time of need, we don't feel that same support. But oftentimes it's not because people don't want to support you. They may not know directly how to do that. And they may not know exactly what's going on with you. And so I often ask sisters this question, like, is it more important for you to get help or is it more important for you to get help without asking for it? <laughs> and I think if we, if we're honest with ourselves, like it doesn't really matter what the help looks like, as long as somebody does come in to kind of help us when we feel like we're drowning, but people can't do that if, if we don't ask for it. So I do encourage us to kind of get out of our own way sometimes um, and, and be the one that asks for the help. And to our earlier conversation around attachment styles and, you know, this question that you had, what's her name, Jennifer? Is that what you Hi, Jessica. Jessica. Mm -hmm. um, also made me think about the, the roles that we often play in our sister circles. So in my work with women, I have found that there are four different types of people that we show up as in the sister circle. So we are either the leader, the wallflower, the firecracker, or the peacemaker. And your comment around kind of being tired or the one that's always like showing up and helping people reminds me of the leader, right? So the leader is typically the one in the group who is organizing the girls trip. They are the one who's rallying around when things happen. Um, the firecracker is the one, of course, who will call out the elephant in the room, but they may not always be super tactful. Um, the peacemaker is the one, you know, if somebody's kind of fighting or there's some tension in the group, they're the one trying to kind of get everybody together. And then the wallflower might be kind of, you know, on the wall, kind of laid back in the group. But when they do speak up, like everybody tends to listen. And it is really important for us to figure out like what role we play in our group so that we know how we're showing up, but also how our friends can do a better job of showing up for us. So yeah. the leader, for example, you know, what you talked about is somebody who really maybe enjoys or is very skilled at organization, but they can also become really resentful because they are the one who's always doing that in the group. And so you might not be aware of that dynamic if you are not familiar with what role you play in your group. So I do encourage people. So we've made a quiz. So if you go to sisterhoodheels.com slash quiz, you can find a quiz that we've created where you can find out which role you are in your sister circle. And then the goal is for you to like get in your group chat or your next girl's night together to talk about what were the results of the quiz and how can you all do a better job of supporting one another with whatever role they are in the group. I love that, Dr. Joy. I love that, Dr. Joy. That's so exciting. I, I don't know how I missed the quiz, 
I don't know, or maybe I, I, don't, I don't see the quiz, but so I just assumed, cause you know, I like to assume everything <laughs> and I know everything. Um, I was thinking about my, like one of my most intimate sister circles in actuality, this sister circle that I'm in, we are uh, building like a mommune mm-hmm. for all mothers. Yeah. 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 So we're like trying to get land and like all the things. And so um, I was thinking, I think there's five of us in the sister circle, if I'm not mistaken. And I know I identify, I already knew who the leader was. It was not me, just letting you know. <laughs> um, I knew who the firecracker was like right off the bat. And I was like, dang, this is like, this is them. And then I was like, okay, which one are you? I knew that I was the wallflower. I am totally the wallflower. And that surprises people. But because of my insecurities that I have on top, on top of like my attachment style and other different things going on, uh, though I, I am showing up differently now, it's very easy for me to kind of like pull back into that wallflower. So I will sit back, I'm observing, people are like, oh, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. Or or I'm the person who, if I'm really going through something, I'll talk about it. But then after a certain point in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about this anymore in the sister circle because I've already talked about it like two or three times. Even though I'm still dealing with this problem, I don't want to bring the group down. So then I just kind of like withdraw. That's when I go back into like withdrawal, isolate. I'm still present in the group, but I'm not really present. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You haven't actually gotten your needs met from the circle. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to have my sister circle read. I Actually, one of them, they, they are already reading the book. It's so funny. I don't know how they... Anyway, so the, quiz, the quiz is not actually in the book. So it's not actually mentioned in the book. We came up with the quiz afterwards oh, as a way to kind of okay. get people to read the book. Um, so it's kind of a supplement. So you didn't miss anything. Okay, drop <laughs> that link in the, one more time. Say it again. Yeah, so it's sisterhoodheels.com slash quiz. Okay, y'all go find out what you are or what you kind of resonate with, I should say. And then talk to your people about that. That's definitely going to help you build community because I'm going to recommend it to my group. And we're going to be talking about this in our one of our next meetups, like for sure. This is like so healing, this conversation. Um, okay, so we did the community question. Um, how much time do we have? Oh, boy. I'm trying to get through everything here. Um, let's see here. Something that I want to talk about was in regards to conflict. And you already kind of touched upon this, but I had the question, so here we go. Um, If there is conflict in the group, because there will be conflict, um, Mm -hmm. does this mean that you're doing it wrong to have Mm -hmm. conflict in the group? Yeah, this is a great question because I think people often think like if conflict is in the group, that means we're like not a good group. Mm -hmm. But conflict actually is an excellent opportunity for the, the group to get more intimate and to have a new depth to the relationship because I think a lot of times we like don't even know what other people's issues are until there is some conflict that arises. What often happens though is that we don't actually do a good job of navigating the conflict and so then you realize like people are not speaking or there's still hard feelings you know those kinds of things happen but I I would encourage people to see conflict as an opportunity for the relationship to actually get stronger. So is this can people say like what's on their minds in a safe space and I, I try to remind people that we are attacking the issue not each other um so I do think you know when you're trying to have some of these conversations it's important to set some ground rules so that you know people don't go for the jugular so to speak um but if you can do a good job of navigating conflict it actually can make the relationship stronger and more intimate because now these things that were not talkable before are now talkable right so that first instance of conflict really gives people an opportunity to say the things that maybe have been on their mind for a while or even you know you just mentioning like okay I will say things 
things a couple of times, but then if I don't get my needs met, then I'm not saying it again. Well, you know, is there an opportunity to bring that to your sister circle and for everybody to kind of bring some stuff to the table? Um, because again, we are not robots. And so when we have four or five different personalities with all of our stuff in a room, of course, things is, are going to happen. And so really conflict gives us an opportunity to address some of those things that maybe people have been kind of skating past mm-hmm. or, you know, being really surfaced about. It really gives us an opportunity to go deeper. Mm, that's a word, Dr. Joy. And I'll tell you why. Um, as you were speaking, I was thinking about how for me, conflict in relationships is bad. Mm-hmm. Conflict means like it could mean uh, stonewalling. It can mean I'm not talking to you. And, and I'm talking about this from the perspective of my family dynam- dynamic. Mm-hmm. So conflict means I'm not being heard. I'm a bad person. I'm going against the grain and automatically. So shutting, I'm shutting it down. Mm-hmm. I'm shutting it down. So I love that you address this in the book because I know that there are other people out there like me that do not know how to navigate conflict, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I think, again, you know, so our earlier conversation about our early childhood experiences, conflict is another one of those things where it shows up in that, like you just said, you know, we saw parents fight or we saw, you know, somebody in the family not do a good job of navigating conflict. So in our mind, conflict is bad, but conflict isn't bad. It is just an opportunity for a conversation. Mm, I love that so much. You're getting us all the way together here. Um <laughs> Let's see, you have so much here to pull from. Uh, let's see here. So I wanna talk about as briefly as we can, cause this is a loaded topic, but <laughs> I'm gonna go there anyway. White supremacy mm-hmm. in regards to sisterhood. Now in your book, you share how while you were working um, at, what is it? You were the director at Clark and you had mm-hmm. your administrative assistant, Mrs. Joyce mm-hmm. Morrell, I think her name was. And she was an older black woman and she helped you to navigate like the ins and outs Um, which is a beautiful thing because I know even just myself, when I've had opportunities in the past, this is, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this version of Brie that you're seeing right here, Dr. Joe, okay? I'm talking about, just, I want to be very clear. I'm talking about past Brie, okay? But when I had the opportunity sometimes to support other Black women, I would really pull back and be like, nah. And that was because, if I'm being completely honest, it's like I had that like you said in the book, I think crabs in the barrel mentality. I had to get what was mine. I had to make sure that I was good first and you're not going to get ahead of me when I'm over here struggling. It was that that was just my mentality. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bree, I really appreciate you being honest about that because I, I don't think we are always honest about that because again, there could be a lot of shame associated with like saying something like that. But I don't think we can move forward as a community if we are not honest about where we've been and the things that have led us to some of our decisions, right? Um, you know, so again, you're not the only one who has had that experience. And I do think it's important for us to, to figure out where did that come from, right? So this idea that only one Black girl in the office could be successful or that if I get a promotion, I got to shut the door behind me because I can't mm-hmm. let her come in and take my job. Like that is not something we created on our own. That is a white supremacist structure that makes us feel like there there is only space for one of us because if there are more of us we know that many of us can succeed but these systems really will lead us to believe that we have to kind of fight against one another as opposed to coming together to really overthrow the entire system and so I really think it's important for us when we find ourselves as like the only black girl in some space that we don't rebel and celebrate in being the only black one like it it is our job I think to 
throw the door wide open and bring as many systems as possible behind us. Because again, that is what helps to kind of overthrow this system that has been really unhealthy and damaging to us for a very long time. Yeah, I I totally agree with you now. Yeah, past Brie, she was doing her best, bless her heart, but there was just a lot going on, (laughs) a lot. And that's one of the reasons why I started Brown Girl Self Care, because I'm like, this is not how I want to live my life. Like, I'm ready to like move beyond this and really actively engage with my healed and whole self. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that white supremacy chapter and about how sometimes we encounter women that do like some of the stuff you're talking about, like that, that's huge. So if you're in a position where that's you, regardless of where you land in that spectrum, definitely this book is going to help you learn to navigate that. So this book, like I said, is an excellent resource. Um, I want to kind of start wrapping up, but you have a chapter in there about digital sisterhood, which also is very, very huge. Like Dr. Joy, I did my homework on this book. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm coming with all I the- I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, now this chapter was really profound for me in a variety of ways, including like, cause you talked about black women, like influencers or things like that. And that resonated with me, um, digital sisterhood and black women of influence online that's what really resonated with me because i guess i'm i'm obviously both and um i know that many women like myself like we're just like regular everyday black women that are like building brands we're building businesses we might have podcasts or building communities online or things like that Uh, part of my specific challenge is that kind of like as i'm working through my trauma while building community with an intimate circle while also trying to be a person that supports her small but growing community online, plus doing the podcast and sending emails and people reach out to me and things like that. I'm just wondering like, what wisdom can you lend to the listener who is like me, who wants to show up in these spaces, but can get overwhelmed? Like one of the things that overwhelms me is like, I'll get DMs from people and they clearly need support someone to listen, a listening ear, but that can be, as much as I try to do it, it can still be very draining for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I have to then again retreat because I'm feeling overwhelmed. So like these fast connections to me are like a blessing, but they can also be kind of like a hindrance um, with this online communication. And I was wondering, like, could you speak to that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's something for us to be really careful about, especially in digital spaces, you know, because... I think so much of our training um, as therapists like happens happened before like the digital stuff really popped off. Right. And so, you know, we don't necessarily have like ethical codes around like contact with people in DMs and stuff, although that stuff is kind of catching up now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you have to be careful with that, though, because we do know the importance of like boundary setting and keeping the therapeutic boundaries like really strong. And so I encourage people to get help with building a brand as soon as they can so that you are not the one who's answering all of those kinds of things. So it's to kind of put a layer between you and your audience in some ways, um, you know, so that, you know, I do still think it's important to like answer those messages when you can, but it doesn't have to be you that's answering it, right? Like, so could it be, you know, somebody that you hire, you know, even for a couple of weeks or a couple of hours a week to really take care of pointing them to resources or saying like, I'm really glad you sent us a message. We actually have a podcast episode about this that you might find helpful, or here's this therapist directory, or here's some resources in your town. Cause I do think when you are building a business, 
and a brand dedicated to black women and that's a part of what I talk about in the book like I think a lot of people have figured out that black women are lucrative that you can like get really wealthy um and and you know black women are super loyal like when we find products and services that we love especially if it's helmed by another black woman like we are typically fiercely loyal and I think people have figured that out but not always with good intentions. And I think that when you are building a business for Black women, it is a point, It is really important for you to take that extra level of treating Black women with care because mm-hmm. there are enough spaces in the world that do not treat us that way. And so I do not think it's, it's appropriate to build a business for Black women and then not actually take those extra steps. So I do think it's, it's important to answer the DMs and you know to be as kind and, and considerate as we can. But again, it doesn't have to be you. It could be somebody on your team who is offering these resources again, because you also have to like protect your license. Like you have to think about the ways that that we show up professionally in the world. And again, I think it is also modeling good boundary setting that I can't do this for you, but here are these other things that I can offer you. And like, here are the spaces that I've created to be able to interact with me on a more intimate level. Like, I think all of those things are just really important. Mm. Okay, Dr. Joy, <laughs> I'm speaking <laughs> at the heart because literally in every episode, and I'm going to be very mindful of this now, I say you can connect with me at, and I give my email address in every, pretty much every single episode, at least in the last maybe 50 episodes, because I do want people like Black women, I want them to feel like there's another person on the other side. But then I get these emails and I'm trying to, and I responding or DMs, and then I feel so overwhelmed. So as I'm responding, I just feel my energy, my battery going, doop, doop. it's like just totally depleting, but it's like, but I still want to show up. So yeah, but you're yeah, right. I need how can you there. continue to show up if you are, you know, drained, right? Like, like I think as, as therapists and people who do like healing work in these ways, we have to be mindful that we are the instrument. And so if you, if your battery is on zero, like you can't show up in the ways that you may want to for your community. And so again, I think there are ways to build things, to put systems in place so that people are still feeling seen and heard, but that it isn't you who's kind of constantly giving in those ways. Mm. Okay, so note to self, it is time to get some help. (laughs) I have been so resistant to that. That's a whole nother topic, but um, (laughs) just know that it is in alignment with um, attachment and some other things, but um, yeah, just just doing this work is <laughs> you really have to show up from a, a more healed place when you are doing this kind of work. Yeah, and, well, you don't have to, but then I think that's when we get into trouble or that's right. when people are damaged, right? And so I, that is not your intention that I hear, right? But I think when we don't recognize that about ourselves is when we get into trouble. You know, it's just, just like working with clients individually, right? Like when you're talking with your supervisor and you realize like you're over-identifying with a client or like, okay, there's some blind spot that you're missing here. You really got to then take the step to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to kind of get back on track in, mm. this, in this situation? Mm. I'm taking that to heart for sure. Um, Actually, I think that I asked most of the questions I wanted to ask. And honestly, I continue on with this, but I want (laughs) to be respectful of your time. Um, Dr. Joy, I don't know if you have a quick answer for this, but is there anything that you have? I know that you have the book Sisterhood Heals, um, which again, please go out and buy this book like immediately. Um, Is there anything else in the works right now that you can share with the audience so that they can kind of know, okay, this is on the on the horizon. Let me make sure I get my coin ready because we're going to do this. There just does there happen to be anything that's on the horizon that you can share? 
Um, so nothing definite yet, but after, you know, definitely coming from the book tour, it has been incredible to like connect with people in person. And I've gotten lots of feedback that people want to do more in-person kinds of things. Um, you know, so we will likely be looking at doing some kind of retreat or something at some point. Um, but sisterhoodheels.com is the best place for you to stay connected to any dates that we're announcing or anything else that may be kind of on the horizon. Mm, I love that. And as we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't say or ask you or is there any other wisdom that you want to impart with the audience um, as we wrap up? No, this has been an incredible conversation, Brie. I really appreciate you. Oh, wow. Thank you so very much. So, Dr. Joy, I know that you gave the website sisterhoodheels.com. Mm -hmm. uh, but in case there's someone out there that has never heard of um, therapy for black girls, where can they find you like all the ways online? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can find everything that we do at Therapy for Black Girls at therapyforblackgirls.com. Um, you'll find our therapist directory there, as well as our podcast that comes out every Wednesday. And we also have a membership community called the Sister Circle for people who are looking to connect with other women. Um, so you can find that again at therapyforblackgirls.com. Um, and we are at Therapy for Black Girls on Instagram um, and Facebook and on threads now. <laughs> Not even, not even going there with Instagram. I'm not going on threads, but yes, go and find her in all the play. I'm like, so, which is so ironic. I'm so anti-social media right now. Like I'm just, I can't do it, but Probably yeah. because of some of these reasons that we talked about. I'm feeling burned out. <laughs> Probably. You didn't have to call me out like that, Dr. Just saying, just but yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head with that. So make sure that you again for the millionth time go and get this book. I I cannot overstress that enough. Please go and get the book and bring it to your sisters, your sister circles, your your family. Like this book can touch a lot, touch and heal a lot of things. Even something that we didn't get on that I forgot was um when it's time to disconnect. She talks about that too. Like when it's time to just kind of like let go of the relationship because that can be hard to navigate as well so she touches on all these things go and get the book make sure you follow her take the quiz y'all take the quiz and um yeah follow her in all the places i think that that's it so um unless there's anything else dr joy i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode she's saying no we good, good. so i'm gonna go ahead and put a period on the end of this episode, I want to thank you so very much, Dr. Joy, for coming into the space and just in the short amount of time that we've spent together, just being a balm for not only my spirit, but I'm sure with every Black woman that listens to this episode going forward. So I want to thank you and again, give you your flowers. And um, yeah, that's it for this episode of the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next Monday. Thanks, Dr. Joy.